This is Michael Zuber, and I just wanted to thank you for listening to my One Rental at a Time podcast. Did you know that I took the time to document the entire process I used to learn my market and actually still use today? I released it as a $199 online course via Teachable, and it is called How to Get Started One Rental at a Time. With that, you get access to my private Facebook group and can join our group mentoring calls every Saturday at 9 a.m. Pacific. You can find it on my website at onerentalatatime.com. Now on with the show. Hey everyone, it is Monday, 8 o'clock Pacific. So you know what that means. That means we bring on our first expert of the week, and that is Greg Dickerson. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing great, Michael. How about you? I'm doing well, thank you. Uh, you know, one thing I would love to talk to you about, because again, you've been doing this a long time, that people, I just want other people to hear, right? You obviously have a criteria for what a deal looks like today, right? You're out, always out on the road. You show us all the time what, what you're looking at today. I thought we should maybe go in the old DeLorean and go back in time and, and kind of talk about how a deal has evolved to Greg over time, because what you were looking for in the beginning probably has evolved several times. And, and undoubtedly, I suspect will evolve in the future. So I just want people to know it could change. And, you know, you, you change with experience, you change with the market, all of that stuff. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. And, and, you know, deals come in a lot of varieties and a lot of packages. So, you know, it depends on what type of deal you're looking at, but, you know, at the end of the day, the fundamentals of what I look for and look at in a deal hasn't really changed. You know, you want to get, um, you want to get something below market value so that you can either just, you're just buying it below market value could be distressed, um, it, you know, or it could be a value add opportunity where, you know, something that you can do to the property or the business, you know, creates extra value. And there's a lot of different ways to skin it. So the biggest difference between now and early on was, you know, I was just getting started. I was hungry and I felt like, man, I, I got to do a deal. These things are going to go away. So I had that sense of urgency that, you know, I, I just got to get these things now while the market's going up and while things are good. And we're kind of seeing that a lot in stocks and Bitcoin and, you know, all these other avenues and even to a degree in real estate because interest rates are so low. Um, but there was a real, you know, sense of urgency there, but I still look for the same thing. I wanted to, well, I guess back then I was a little bit more aggressive on the appreciation mode pre 2009. So everything I did, I figured, Hey, if you buy it, build it, whatever, it's going to be worth more a year from now. Cause that was kind of how it worked. Yeah. You know, you bought something or you build something and then you hang on to it for a year and it's going to be worth more a year later. So there was a lot of speculation, a lot of flipping going on. So I kind of had those goggles on, if you will, in terms of looking at deals. So you didn't have to be so much under market value because you were you were seeing things escalate so fast, kind of where we're at now mm-hmm. um, in, in a lot of ways. So that that's one thing that's changed. Um the other thing that changed was, boy, I had to scramble and work hard to get the money to do deals when I first started out because I didn't have uh, the ability to raise capital. I didn't know investors. I was using my own money and cash flow from my companies and my businesses. That's why I had so many businesses to generate cash flow to invest in these assets. And then as I you know, became more successful, a little bit more visible, people would approach me. And you know, I, I, I had the ability to raise capital and you know, now it just, you know, it just comes. And, um, you know, it's, it's an unlimited amount out there, uh, you know, at my disposal, if I want to do a deal. So, and if I want to raise capital. So those are kind of the things that have really changed in my view. Now, the big thing here lately, you know, post coronavirus and, and this new environment we're entering with, you know, um, a democratic, you know, legislature from the, you know, White House on down, 
is that we don't know what the tax situation and consequences are going to look like moving forward into 2021. So I'm, I'm awaiting, you know, those moves to see what, you know, how that's going to impact, you know, deals, investments and decisions there. Whereas early on in my career, I didn't even think about taxes. I didn't <laughs> care. I was just doing deals. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was all about, it was, yeah, it was just about feeding the machine, right? You didn't think about taxes. A couple of things I want to just clarify. Um, when you were doing this yourself, right? So this is before you could raise capital. Mm -hmm. um, did you at least, I don't know if it's naturally or unnaturally, kind of have a cap on how big a deal you could take down? Like mentally, were you not looking at things above a million or, or were you always open and thought, hey, you know what, if a $10 million deal came across, I'd find a way to get it done? Yeah. So it, yeah, it progressed as I went along. So it was just what I was aware of the market I was in and the things yeah. that I was doing. And then as I got around other people, other developers and investors that were doing big deals and I, you know, then I learned, wow, you can do big deals, but I didn't really learn how to raise the capital and leverage those types of situations early on. I just didn't know. Right. So that came, that came much later. So, you know, ab absolutely. When I'd look at a deal, multi-million dollars and things like that, and as the deal scaled, it was kind of like, you know, growing and just kind of having that awareness that, man, you know, literally the vision that I had one day, okay, when it hit me, the epiphany hit me of raising capital and being able to do bigger deals was, you know, this money's out there just floating. It's just floating, you know, and from an entrepreneurial standpoint, from a business standpoint, all you got to do is just reach out and grab it. It's just there, wow. you know, and I mean, that was the vision I had of it. You know, they say money doesn't grow on trees. I saw it in the clouds, you know. <laughs> And, um, and that's when I realized, you know, what there is that you can tap into. So if you're competent, you're knowledgeable, you know what you're doing, you've got a good track record or you align yourself with others who do, and you're good at raising capital, you can really leverage those, those talents and those knowledge and that skill um, to be able to bring the capital to the table to do these deals. So if I knew back then what I know now, I would have went straight for the you know, $100 million deals. I would have went right to the top from the beginning. Yeah. Well, this is why I'm having that conversation because I, I believe social media has created almost a bipolar attitude in new investors. And I want, mm -hmm. I want to help them avoid this, right? You got to get started, I believe. And I think getting a first deal done and a second deal back to your track record, right? Track record mm -hmm. allowed you to get access to money in the clouds. But, but sometimes social media is like, you know, if you don't do a, a, a 50 unit deal day one, you're a loser, and, yeah, that's that's out there, right? And I and that's just not true. Yeah, it might be thirty, but uh, <laughs> yeah, fair enough. <laughs> if you don't do a thirty-unit deal, you're a loser. No, um, yeah, I mean, so there is the mindset: go big or go home. Go, you know, go big or go broke. You know, all those kinds of things. And you know, that's not for everybody. Okay, and <clears throat> it wasn't for me in what I knew and what I was doing. If I would have known, I would have went big because I'm just that guy. I like to think big. I like to go big. And that's what's for me. Mm -hmm. You know, that's not necessarily for everybody. And there is no right or wrong. The, the, the deal is to understand yourself, understand your limitations, understand your strengths and weaknesses, and to go where you are the most comfortable going based on all of that. Your knowledge, skills, abilities, experience, your demographics, your relationships, things like that. Now, if you're just starting out and you have a big deal mindset, and you have the capacity to understand that, but you have zero track record, then you have to be good at something. Okay. You have to, have, you have to have something. So if you're good at relationships and raising capital, then you can align yourself with, with groups of sophisticated seasoned investors that are doing big deals and you bring the capital to the table and get yourself into the deals that way, mm -hmm. you know, or maybe you find an opportunity that is a good deal and you get control of it. Then you bring all of the other players to it. And you're just kind of the, 
you know, the connector in the whole thing. So there's a lot of different ways to insert yourself into the deals, but where a lot of beginners want to skip is they want to skip that learning phase. They want to just go from, I don't know anything to, I want to do a hundred million or a $20 million deal or hundred units or 300 units or whatever. You've got to have something, you got to have the knowledge, you know, whether you have experience or not, you've got to know the business. You need to be able to speak the language of the business of the deal, whether it's a company whether it's a business, whether it's you know investing in real estate, whatever it is, you got to understand the KPIs, markets, metrics. You got to speak the language. You got to know how the financing works. You got to know how raising capital works. You got to know how to talk to investors that are interested um, if you don't have the experience. So there is no fast forward and skip the education part. Yeah, and this is this is what I wanted people to hear because again, social media doesn't give you those qualifiers, in my opinion, right? It doesn't tell you, hey, what are you good at? What are you what are you good at? Know the business, know that. Because it is possible, sure. Um, but again, it's a, it's such a small sliver, and I think a lot of people would do themselves a, a better service. You know, just taking their first house down or duplex mm-hmm. or fourplex, right? Especially with the rate structure and thirty-year loans today. Um, so I am curious about one thing. Once you had that epiphany about money in the clouds, and you just get out a net, and you can you know go grab it or go get it. Um, you know, when, I guess first question for me is when did that happen? Was that like five, 10, 15, 20 years ago? When, when was that epiphany? Yeah, it was in, you know, so I started in 97. So it was in that first seven years. Okay. So that's when I really blossomed. And, you right. know, I started my company from nothing, had yeah. no money, no credit. No, yeah, I was using credit cards and banks would loan me money. I mean, it was just, it was ridiculous, right? Yeah. And uh, I was just scratching and clawing to build that company. And then, you know, I turned it into a $30 million business within seven years and started nice. 12 other businesses, you know, along the way. So it was during that time of educating myself and learning and realizing, wow, you really don't have any limits. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's a matter of what you understand, your knowledge, your skills, your abilities, your network and relationships, and your ability to cultivate and leverage that the right way into the right vehicles at the right time. So that's when it kind of hit me. And I was studying, reading, learning, you know, all kinds of just pouring into myself. And that's when my mind was open and the awareness of what's possible actually hit me because, you know, I grew up in a middle-class family where, you know, you earned what you earned based on your education and, you know, working, whether it's military or a company, my dad was a military career. My mom was a blue cross, blue shield career, you know, person. And you, you could only go so far so fast and only make so much money. You're limited, you know, uh, in those capacities. So that's the environment I grew up in. But my dad taught me, if you want something, go make the money to get it. So, you know, like we've told the story of me going around cutting grass, raking yards, doing whatever to earn money to pay for my karate lessons and my testings. And if I wanted to go out and use, use my dad's car, I had to make the money and I had to return it with a full tank of gas regardless. And if I used his equipment to make money, I had to pay him for it. <laughs> I had to give him a percentage of my profits. So I learned very young how to be an entrepreneur, how to go create what I wanted. And, uh, you know, that, that was a very interesting, you know, dynamic and perspective to come from when I, all I saw in my parents were people that just went to work and got paid. Right. Yeah. So I want to go back to something you brought up earlier, just to scratch it a little bit. Cause again, I'm here to learn as well. Uh, obviously yeah. with the democratic um, executive branch um, house Senate, uh, there's likely some changes to the tax code. You kind of alluded to uh, which one or which potential one has you, I don't know. I don't know what the right word is. Most nervous, most concerned. Which, which one are you looking for? Any, any, you know, there'll be a lot. So the first talk is repealing all of the Trump tax cuts that he put into place, you know, which, uh, uh, you know, carry loss, carry forward loss, um, 
you know, pass through business, you know, deductions, you know, all these different things that the Tax and Jobs Act, um, you know, put into place. So a lot of that stuff could get repealed. They could really, you know, affect people in 2021. I don't know if they can or will go after opportunity zones, which isn't really a big deal, but, you know, it's just something out there because those aren't doing what they were intended to do, which was spur business. You know, it's being used more for real estate growth and speculation than spurring business, which arguably creates jobs and all that. Um, you know, so, so that could potentially be under attack. The big one is retirement accounts, IRAs, you know, things like that. Will they go after those types of vehicles and, hmm. you know, really, really start to, you know, get into those. So anything can and will happen. I, I just don't know how far it's going to go. I do know there's a huge shortfall at the municipal um, and state level for taxation, you know, for, for tax collections due to the pandemic. So um, I know that uh, this administration will be more likely to want to help out local municipalities, states, counties, you know, cities, counties, states, um, you know, the money's got to come from somewhere. And, you know, so we already know corporate tax and all that kind of stuff, but the incentives for real estate depreciation, accelerated depreciation, you know, capital gains, things like that. Those are the big deals that, that I think could potentially be extremely punitive and have those unintended consequences that you just don't see until that legislation's passed. Yeah, the other two that I that is often out there is the 1031 exchange and the stepped yeah. up basis. Yeah, yeah, those are big ones. So I yeah, I don't know if they're going to go after all that kind of stuff. 1031s have been around for a long time. Mm -hmm. You know, accelerated depreciation's been around a long time, cost segregation, all those things have been around a long time. It'd be interesting to see what what they actually, you know, end up getting done. Because mm -hmm. just because the, you know, Biden administration wants to do one thing, doesn't mean that the Senate and the House is going to accept it and pass it because even within the party, they're still going to have people that want what they want. <laughs> you know? For sure. Yeah. Uh, so very cool. And then the last thing is it, just to kind of clarify, right? We went backwards. We talked about current. I, I'm just curious when you look at over the next 10, 15 years, do you see any kind of changes in what a deal might mean to you? Would you ever go larger geographically or maybe different countries or anything like that? No, I would never invest outside in, in real property outside the United States, you know, just simply because you just never know in some foreign countries what can happen. You know, there are some countries where they can just seize your stuff and you're done, you know, so you have, you have no real control. In this country, regardless of what's going on in this climate right now, you when you own property, you own property, nobody's going to take it away from you. Now there are, are there is, you know, eminent domain, things like that. And you know, different types of things that can happen. But in general, you're, you know, you pretty much know if you buy something here, it's not getting taken away by the government. Um, they're not going to come in and seize property. You, you know, you would see a civil war if the government came in and tried to seize everybody's property. Yeah, exactly. Well, cool. This has been a lot of fun. Again, I, I want people to realize that what a deal is to you can evolve over time, your skill level, your network, all of that will improve. Thanks. Big thing. Yep. So as markets changed, okay, when I was speculating, I was leading the market up and when we saw 2009, I led the market down, mm. made money both ways. So you got to understand the most important thing to know is the top, okay? Not the bottom. The most important thing to know is the top because you got to lead it on the way up and you've got to lead it on the way down. That's how you make money. There you go. With that, we will close episode one. Thanks, Greg.